I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, and and we are in the middle of the Summer Short series, where we hey. read fiction that's a little different from usual. So we got comics, we got web comics, we got short stories, we got perhaps mm. maybe mm. even a play. What? Come on, yes, yes, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Just mix it up for you. <laughs> yeah, so y'all get hype. Yes, yeah. and today we will actually be reading excerpts from the short story anthology called New Sons. Original Speculative Fiction by People of Color, which was edited by Nisi Shaw. So, the description of the anthology states by the one and only Octavia E. Butler <gasps> states the following. There's nothing new under the sun, but there are new suns. So, new suns. So, this part is no longer Octavia Butler. New suns. <laughs> that first part was just a quote from her. New suns, original speculative fiction by people of color, showcases emerging and seasoned writers of many races, telling stories filled with shocking delights and powerful visions of the familiar made strange. Ooh, the familiar made strange. I That's know. Like, okay, we rot us. We, we ride it, apparently. Because <laughs> what are those words? What? <laughs> I'm dead. Um... Yes, Octavia Butler is like in no way connected with this magazine. But you know who is? LeVar Burton, who does the forward. Yes, LeVar hey. Burton, who is the classic children's television host for Reading Rainbow and also on Star Trek Next Generation. So look at that. Come on. Sci-fi, books, match made in heaven. But before we get on <laughs> to the story that LeVar Burton took the glorious time to put pen to paper to write about, or I guess mm-hmm. finger to keyboard anyway before we get to that although maybe Lavar did right anyway um i have a question okay (laughs) summer shorts y'all girl oh my god here we are more importantly i have a question marcy and it's gonna be fun because i feel like you have no idea what the question is this time i literally don't so (laughs) there's just a tad bit of magic in this story just a tad you know Mm -hmm. just springing forth i know there's a lot of sci-fi too but it made me think here's a scenario you mm-hmm. you walk into a bar or a club or a Costco. Here's my hey, your own business. A Costco? <laughs> How did that make the list? <laughs> well, you, you you know you got to buy in bulk sometimes. <laughs> You're like, I, no, that's true. I don't need a little prego. I need a lot of prego. Exactly. Um, right. <laughs> so you're walking through, you know, between the mattresses and like the goldfish. That's like fifty uh-huh. bags, and you you notice someone doing a like a tad bit of magic. You're like, what? what? You know, they're levitating something or moving something mm-hmm. around. What uh-huh. do you do? And then caveat, what if you notice and they're doing something that's clearly evil? Like, I don't mean like a little Ooh. evil. Like they like came down Maleficent style. There's like smoke everywhere. And they're like, and oh only you can see it. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> what do you okay. do? Oh, I live for this question. I'm going to imagine Costco because this happening at the club is somehow less exciting than it happening at Costco. <laughs> so I'm going to use that as my setting. So quick, I, I, I guess quick clarifying question. So when I see them doing like evil magic shit, like have we locked eyes? Do they oh. know that I'm there? No. Well, okay. well, no, I said, oh, because I, I didn't think about that for the, the oh. medical. Well, what would you do with would that change your... I, I think so. So I think, in all honesty, if I saw someone doing, let's just assume they were, I don't know, summoning like 
just like calamity onto the earth and i like somehow clocked that like while shopping for yogurt like i don't know like if i saw them and they saw me seeing them like i i feel like at that point it's really fight or flight like it really just like fight or or not be alive anymore because i'm like if a bitch is able to like summon destruction onto the planet it's like I don't really think that's a bitch that's gonna let me go. Like that's I don't think like point. that's someone that like after locking eyes, like they're gonna be like, oh girl, just just, just pretend like you didn't see this. See this, and I'll be like, oh yeah, girl, you know, I'm just you know, I'm just here for my Cheetos. Like like I really don't think it would be that. <laughs> I don't think it'd be that nice. Like I think it'd be like, bitch, you've seen too much. You have to go. And I'd be like, well, mama needs a fighting chance. So I think at that point I would. Ooh. I think I would try to like do a lot. Okay, so I think I would try to like make a lot of noise, like really nice. just call a lot of attention to what was happening. So like you know people can kind of like jump into the situation because I imagine if you're doing like, but also too it's like, bro, if you really summon calamity like in the middle of Costco, like you clearly don't give a fuck. Like you like just That's like zero fucks can be detected. So I mean that may or may not do anything, but I think also maybe I'll like try to just like I don't know like if they're like. I just imagine them like having a wand or something. Maybe I'll like, I don't know, grab the nearest bag of like lays. I don't know why I'm in the chip <laughs> aisle, but like I like grab the lays and I, like throw out the wand or some shit. I don't know. I feel like I would just make a lot of noise and just be very chaotic and then like kind of run towards them. So they're like, okay, we have to deal with this bitch. Ah. Um, and then like maybe in the process in the chaos, like that'll like distract from their like, I don't know, incantations or whatever. And like maybe we'll be good. And maybe I'll be like, yeah, girl, I really didn't want to put you on blast like that. But you know. Like, I just, but, I, I just feel like I don't really have options. Like, like, like maybe if we yeah. had, like, a mediation later, I could be like, yeah, so the reason I came at you like that, it wasn't really, it's, like, no shade, but I was just like, you know, I just got nervous. Like, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> you know, maybe we can just, <laughs> like, see how this goes. Um, so I feel like that's what, what happened there, assuming that I survived that, which honestly probably is unlikely. But if I saw someone summoning calamity onto the earth and literally bringing down like all types of chaos and I just, I saw it happening, but they didn't see me the way I would take my shit, check out and get the the way I would, the way I would (laughs) effortless, just graceful, just perfect. I would literally be like, you know what? I actually was never here. Yeah. I actually, like I would actually probably go and like try to like wipe the security footage and be like, yeah, girl, I actually was never she wasn't here. And like the like, like, like the police would be like, wait, where's the footage from like 2.43 p.m. to like 3.01? And they're like, yeah, girl, we have no idea. And it's like, I'll just be in the bag. Assuming, of course, that we are, you know, we haven't all fallen to calamity at this point. Like, I'd just be like, yeah, girl, like, I just couldn't be clocked like that. Like, I just didn't. I didn't want to take any chances. So, you know. Um, yeah, so I'll probably just get the fuck out because I'm like, you know what? Like, this seems like none of my business. So let me just leave. <laughs> so I would only really probably be spurred into action if like I was seen. Because mm. then at that point, it's like, girl, if I try to leave, I feel like they would interrupt that process. And I'd be like, damn, girl, like now I got to like square up. That's so, true. Yeah. What would you do? I love this question. <laughs> well, your point about erasing the security footage is a good idea because... I feel like they'd be like, I did something. And then I like saw someone walking by and then they're like, okay, maybe I should check, you know, later. And then, you know, that's how people get caught because then the person goes and they check the security footage and then they come and find Mm. you later. And you're like, oh no, you know, I didn't, you didn't see me the first time, but damn the cameras. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's, that's a, that's a good, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, Mm. For me, I think yeah, let's continue with the Costco metaphor because I'm just rolling my my grocery cart 
through these aisles that are just too tall. And I'm like, how am I supposed to get that toilet paper? It's like 15 levels up and I'm, I'm already right. not that tall, but it's fine. Like a forklift or something. Anyway, but, um, and then I like notice this person just like opening up a portal to like another dimension and like flying in demons or something. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. It was a, like the Wizard of Oz. I'll get you my pretties. Okay. Anyway, um, I think that similarly, similar. Oh my god, similarly, if I did not mm-hmm. get caught, I would leave. But I think what I would do is because at this point I'm like, okay, well, clearly this stuff is real. Let me go on Google and see, you know, anyone who's like who I f- at first would have been like, okay, you're just making stuff up, and be like, okay, now let me like check this for legitimacy, and then you know, mm. looking for maybe some like a reporting magic agency, <laughs> you know, like like. <laughs> Like Men in Black, where they're like, "Oh, the tabloids are actually the, where the most information is," and there's like a secret right. society that takes care of it. I'd be like, "Okay, hey guys, not to set off any alarms, but I was in Costco the other day buying Cheetos, and I <laughs> saw, you know, some magic going down. Does anyone have like a reference or a call I can make?" Right. Um, completely anonymous, you know. And, oh, um, down. They went. Yeah. I'm no. not. Yeah, I can't. I can't because like, that's please be reasonable like fuck. right like, right because here's the thing like otherwise it's just the beginning of a YA novel and those are like three <laughs> you know <laughs> like could you imagine my right. god and it's always like I'm like it's too much in the YA novels it's, there's too much you gotta save the whole world I'm like oh, girl I was just trying to watch Atlanta today I don't want it right but um <laughs> but i feel like when you're younger you're like i the call to adventure like let me and now i'm just like no 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 that's okay it's like i actually i actually had some cookie dough <laughs> that i was really looking forward to putting in the oven and i just feel like this is really interrupting from that process like i was right. gonna meditate later like y'all really just like y'all really just interrupted my like my, my flow life. yeah so Fuck. but you're but oh my- if I got caught, like if they saw me, that's, I think I'd have to do what you did, right? Because there's just no way around. You know, they're not going to, like you said, right. they're not going to let you go. That's not. Right. Not. Not. Or if they want to let you go, the demons they're summoning will certainly not want to let your ass right. go. So it's like, what? Or the or, or both. It's or like, both. girl, I don't need demons and a bitch summoning mm. demons coming after me. That's too much. Too it's much. Too no much. one. It's literally Sunday. Like, can I, like, can I just get my shit and leave? Like, can wh- I rest? Like, how do we get here? Right. But then the question is, like, what if you only witnessed, what if you're the only one who can witness it because there's something that that says about you? You know what Ooh. I mean? Like, what if that Ooh, means? Oh, shit. Right? Because that's, that's the my oh mind's my going next. And when I get home, I'm like, okay, but, like, nobody else saw it. Am I, do I got powers or something? Is there, what's going on? Am I being called to some type of action? Like, am I the hero in this narrative? Please, no. Because, like you said, there's cookie right. dough. <laughs> I was going to make some cookies. Go over to a friend's house. You know, not right. now because we're in lockdown, but right. Fuck no, that's real. I think maybe okay. So actually, as you were talking, I'm like actually, I think before. So assuming that they didn't see me and I was able to leave gracefully, um, uh, before erasing the security footage of my presence there, I think what I would do is like take a picture, maybe like from a distance, and just see like mm. my fo- like I'm like okay, my phone captures it, then maybe it's real. But if my phone's like yeah, girl, nothing was there. I'd be like okay, so. I'm seeing the end of the world, kind of giving you like the uncommons a little bit with Iris when she was oh, like, interesting. yeah, so I just see the end and I was like, hi, and she's like, yeah, didn't really know how to say it, but I just see the end of the world. Like, I like I feel like it'd be like, okay, well, 
Let me read through the rest of the uncommons and see how she handled that because I feel like that might be a I'm good <laughs> sort of practice to like how to handle the situation. Or maybe like if the person is seeable and like does bring about the end of the world, maybe I'll like I don't know like be in like some shady like podcast interview and like expose them and be like yeah girl oh like God. I was like at Costco when I saw this shit happen or maybe I'll, like I don't know make a meme that like goes viral and then like from the public humiliation like they like are brought de- I don't know like, <laughs> like I'm clearly fucking around at this point it's I'm like, dead <laughs> they like, 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 of them and they're like no memes were my weakness like why exactly like, <laughs> like I capture it like bro imagine being a bitch that like is summoning hoes in Costco like lol and everyone's like oh my god ah! It like retweets galore. Oh, right. God. Maybe. Hey, actually, it's just, it's, it's just, that's just, a good <laughs> answer. You tweet it, and then because that will, if there is some secret society that takes care of this, if you tweet it and it goes viral, they're more likely to see it and uh, know what to do. True. So I would certainly have to be in someone's witness protection program. Like yes. I would enroll my goddamn. I would be like, girl, please protect me because these motherfuckers come like. The first week to you, I'd be like, yeah, girl, I either, I either need to move to Neptune or mm. have like five bodyguards. The, the actual planet of them. She, she, <laughs> Those are the only <laughs> Neptune or this. And it's like, I feel like the not witness Mars. protection piece is a little easier. I feel uh. like that's a little low, like not as much of a high, you know. What about Saturn? They got rings over there. No, that's true. Yeah, fuck Neptune. Neptune's also further, isn't it? Oh, girl, is Saturn closer? I think no, Saturn's it's closer, further. Right? Yeah, because yeah. Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, you're yeah. boom. Come on, fourth grade. Yes. Anyway, so that is how I would handle the situation through viral humiliation. There you go. Um, bet we got there. <laughs> yes, the, we did. The, so. the, last, the only last thought I have is like, if you're, why are you at Costco in the first place? I mean, I know it's my scenario. I know I made it up, but I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to fight the premise. This is why I can't be a school teacher. We'd be reading a book and I'm being like, <laughs> I'd be like, well, I don't really see the point of this. It's like, teacher, you. You told us to read. Did like, you assign hey. it? Like we also don't. I mean, we we're just we're, we're children. literally forced by law to be here, so right. we can't leave. It's really your time, sis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, yes, we will. <laughs> we will discuss um, new sons. Yes, 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 yes. Thankfully, not from Costco and also not after having witnessed someone summoning demons from another dimension. Because, <laughs> my God, could you imagine? Who shall Okay. So, for this episode, I feel like the anthology episodes are always really interesting because Aqua and I are always like, how do we, like, how do we, like, like, how do we talk about this? Right. And so we decided to do something a little bit different. So... Each of us read three stories, two of which were the same. So both of us have read a story called Harvest by Rebecca Roanhorse, as well as a story called Give Me Your Black Wings, O Sister by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. So we both read those stories. So what we're going to do right now is just like, we're going to talk about those two stories. We're going to give you a little plot summary and then give our thoughts. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And then after the break, we're each going to talk about a story that the other person hasn't read. So. Aqua's going to talk about a story that I haven't read and vice versa. And basically, we're going to kind of just be explaining it to one another. Like, we've literally, like I literally have no idea what happens in Aqua's story and, and likewise. Mm-hmm. And it'll kind of be like a back and forth. We'll kind of incorporate discussion throughout. It's different. We're just going to try it and see if it works. So hopefully it's a little fun, you know, summer shorts, just a summer, summer 
fun, lit <laughs> type energy shit for y'all. Yes. So, yes. So that is what we're going to be doing. So to start, Dead. I will talk about Harvest by Rebecca Roanhorst. Aka will talk about Give Me Your Black Wings, O Sister by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. And then we'll discuss from there. Yes. Cool. So to talk about Harvest. So... For context, the story talks about someone who's referred to as a deer woman. I didn't know what a deer woman was, so one Google search later, and I found out, apparently, that a deer woman is actually a spirit in various forms of Native American mythology that's usually associated with, like, ideas around fertility and love. It's usually seen as, like, a benign spirit, but there are also times in which a deer woman is characterized by luring men to their deaths. So... Giving you that energy. Mm. Um, so just to put that in context. So to start in the story, our main character is someone named Tansi, who's a young native woman who basically is going to culinary school in New York, like upstate New York. But she's originally from New Mexico. And so essentially the story starts with her saying, oh, like never fall in love with a dear woman. Like she'll make you do terrible shit, bitch. It's like, oh, my God, just never do a girl. And so she's like saying this in her mind and then it kind of pans out and it's like Tonsi cuddling with a deer woman and we're just like wait yep. but isn't that the same that's, that's yep. the same boom so she's chatting with the deer woman and the deer woman's like oh yes like we need to do like our heart harvest like we need to get more hearts and you're like wait um which we'll go into later <laughs> um, so we'll just we'll just leave that there um because basically there's like a cooler that's like is referred so they're like in this room and there's like a cooler in the corner and it's like refer they're talking about hearts and we're like wait are there hearts in the so let's just back up let's just back up hold mm-hmm. back back up let's just back up Boom. So like I said, so Tansi is from a tiny reservation town in New Mexico. And while in that town, she won a local cooking contest, which led to her winning a statewide cooking contest and then even led her to being on like a Food Network culinary like cooking show for teens. And then Mama won. Um, So one of the Food Network chefs was like really into her cooking and was like, okay, I'm going to take you under my wing. It's also implied that like yep. she would sleep with him um she was like a teenager and he like is an adult and like, I don't, like i also had a wife and children just, yeah, yeah so like yikes but uh, we'll just move on um so basically so he like old dude pulls some strings and is able to get tonsi into this like culinary school in upstate new york so so we see a flashback where tonsi first gets to school and her fiance jeffrey is visiting her from new mexico and he gifts her with some knives for culinary school and so while he's talking to her and stuff like Tansi's kind of like kind of like fidgeting with the knife and she ends up like kind of on purpose like puncturing her I think it was like her thumb and she ended up like putting it in her mouth like kind of just like sucking the blood from it and Jeffrey says something to the effect of like oh you know I feel like that's a behavior that you should like kind of talk to someone about um, which kind of lets you know that that's like a pattern that Tansi has mm-hmm. um, doesn't necessarily go into detail but that's just a thing that was included so Tansi's in culinary school it's that bullshit like she's like bro like we talking about all this like soups and nonsense that don't make no damn sense and like this is like culturally irrelevant as fuck like what the fuck is this this like who the fuck and so one day she's like you know what I'm in upstate New York which is mad close to New York City which is that girl so let's just go down to New York City and just like you know have some food that reminds me of home etc so Tansi goes to New York city and while she's there she goes into this bar and she sees this deer woman at the bar i don't think she knows she's a deer woman though i don't think she knows when she first meets her they're both native yeah Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, basically, she sees this woman who is, like, alluring and lit and, like, everyone, every, everyone, everyone at the bar is, like, into everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. If you were at the bar, you were into this woman. <laughs> like, so, Tonsi sees her. She, like, you know, gets in line um, of interest. And, you know, they get to talking. They end up, like, kissing. Ooh, uh, um, I'm 13 years old, so that happens. I feel funny how descriptive the sex was in this for you to be like, they were uh, kissing. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose they were kissing. It's like, bro, they didn't match shit. And you're like, oh, they kissed. And you're like, girl, what? It's like, aren't you a smooth? Whatever. Anyway, so, anywho. So Tansi and Old Girl hit it off and, you know, they're like dating. It's cute, whatever, whatever. Tansi ends up staying in New York City, actually, for an internship that summer. And so she would like kind of hang out with like this woman whenever. We never learned her name, this no. the dear woman. Uh, I'll just say dear woman just for clarity. But yeah, so she's like hanging out with this dear woman. And basically like they one night actually are because like Tansi's like mad busy, like at the internship that she's at in, in New York City. And so she's, like, hanging out with the dear woman. They're, like, chatting, whatever, whatever. And basically, they kind of get to talking about, like, their past. Mm-hmm. And Tansi was kind of saying, like, you know, like, my family, I don't really talk to them. Like, if they ever knew that we had this relationship like that, like, they would never approve all of that. And then, like, the dear woman is like, yeah, my family was murdered. And then she kind of asked Tansi, like, you know, if your family was murdered, what would you do? Would you, like, seek justice, revenge? What would you do? And Tansi's like, I don't. No. no um and then it was just kind of like it kind of kept going from there she was like you know i like in the dear woman was like yeah you know i would personally just seek revenge, revenge personally like i just think that that makes the most sense and then she kind of gets up and ominously walks over to tansi's like culinary knives in her apartment and she's like hey um could you actually help me with something and then tansi's like i knew at that moment i should have left i knew i should have left but they i mean they say just, the dear woman is very seductive Listen, so she was like, I just got wrapped up in her spell, girl. Like, I could not, I could not escape. So they go on a killing spree. Right. And we find out that, like... Which I feel like that escalated quickly, right? Like, it, 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 like, really, like, it's like, they show the conversation, and, like, and then the next scene is, like, them, like, after a murder. And I'm like, holy mm-hmm. shit. So basically, they go on this, like, killing spree, where essentially, my understanding was that they were killing white women in particular in both New York City and upstate New York. And they were, like, removing their hearts and, like, putting them in this, like, cooler. Because essentially, the dear woman has this idea that, like, with a certain amount of hearts or, like, in a certain formation or something with these hearts, like, she'll be able to reconnect with her family. It's sort of the thinking. And also, there's, like, a right. tinge of revenge in that. And I don't know where necessarily the white women fall into that, but that's also kind of another factor in, in this. I feel like there's, like, a metaphor here for, like, colonization of America because it's two Native people trying to get, like, revenge. When she says her family was killed, I'm like, what family? And then they mentioned like, all these fights that happened like mm-hmm. we never describe the colonization of america as like a war but there, there are like co- numbers of wars like wounded knee and like she just names mm. a bunch of them so i feel like it's a larger narrative for colonization and revenge and you killed my family it's almost like they're mm. in, in new york and th- this is like native land that's been taken mm. and, and people have been killed i think that's what's going on here but i could also be wrong that is actually what i was thinking they never explicitly yeah they did kind of like you mentioned like give that list of like wars and things but yeah aside from that they never really talked specifically about the motivations but that was kind of in like 
The dear woman also doesn't mention how her family was murdered. She just says they were murdered. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, okay. So I, that, that's kind of my take of it as well. It felt like a response to, to that. But anywho, basically, just to wrap this up real quick, though. So, yeah, so they're like killing these women the murders continue and like thomas is like trying to balance like her internship and murder and she's like oh girl i don't have time for both and so she like just keeps murdering. i'm just so busy <laughs> girl, i'm just so busy like fuck like not enough hours in the day and it's like i mean yeah girl you're killing hell up wait whatever so the story essentially kind of climaxes where the two it's like during some kind of festival I think outside it's the of July. um I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 4th of July. Basically, they take these hearts and they go to, like, the National Ball in D.C. And, like, they put the hearts in, like, a circle. And, like, they lie, the two of them lie in the middle of the circle. And they're just, like, kind of, like, laying next to one another. And, like, time seems to stop for a second. And, Mm -hmm. like, things happen. And then, basically, when Tansi opens her eyes, like, the dear woman's gone. So it's presumed that she was able to reconnect with her family and do whatever it was that she needed to do. Really? That's what you thought? Wow. Okay. Well, we can discuss. Oh, Huh. Interesting. Yeah, let, let, let's discuss. But basically, so that was my interpretation, that the dear woman left on those circumstances. And then Tanzi w- opened her eyes, she was gone, and all she saw was sirens and people screaming and smoke and calamity. And I was like, oh. So Tanzi gets arrested. And then from jail, she's like, you know, you should always love a dear woman. Like, they make you do, the, like, the wildest shit. But, like, the way I would do it all over again, girl, the way I would do yeah. this Tansi shit is, again. Is, mm-hmm. And I was like, Tansi, what were y'all doing? Because mm. you, you I, I don't know what that dear woman did, <laughs> but you are just... Who chow? So that's the story, essentially. Um, yeah. Who? Yeah. So if you're thinking that "Give Me Your Black Wing, O Sister" by Sylvia Moreno Garcia is a lighter tale, you would be wrong. So, yes. <laughs> so this story starts with an unnamed protagonist who lives in a large city that is also unnamed. Um, mm-hmm. But we do know that the protagonist is hiding something about who she is and this hunger mm-hmm. she possesses. And the story kind of starts off with her reflecting about how she inherited these qualities. And she describes it like underneath her skin, there's something haunting her, or terrifying mm-hmm. her. And she was like, I come from a line and a descendant of, of witches and warlocks and child eaters. And you're like, this is very, very vague. Child <laughs> eaters? I was right. Like, I was like, I was like wait, hold thing? up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've heard of witches and warlocks. Like, you, you just really threw that in there. I was like, that's um, just kind of just... Right. <laughs> I was what? like, what, what, what passes that? I was like, I'm checking the geographic folklore. I was like, I don't know where this is. But anyway. I don't remember that one, girl. But <laughs> well, she said it, so it's in there. It made me think of the stone eaters from um, the fifth season, but that's not... We're not hey right so so she she goes through her everyday kind of like letting modernity like dampen those senses so Mm -hmm. she listens to music and she's like i'm no one i'm not anybody everyone i'm not special i'm not different i'm just fine and then Mm. one day she is on the subway and someone sits next to her this man sits next to her in a suit he's a very dapper suit apparently and she's like i mm-hmm. smell on him the blood of whatever that makes me know that he's actually just like me and you're like all right all right protagonist chill 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 we're just on the <laughs> she's like does anyone else notice similar like us in the costco we're like does anyone else know- <laughs> does anyone else see this shit <laughs> and everyone else is playing dead. no girl <laughs> they're playing candy crush on their phone they're like no <laughs> so you're actually being really loud like i actually had a pattern go and like you are right. really fucking it up. You're so. distracting me. You um, I was playing right. Animal Crossing, and I was really I was picking a lot. Come on, Animal Crossing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> similar. But honestly, in big cities like New York, you could be doing a lot of things on the train, and nobody says anything. 
Anyway, so she sees this man and she's like, is he like me? Are we the same? And then and she imagines like him like getting to the door and being like, come with me. And she's like, okay. And then they like, go off together and she's like, oh, actually, no, I'm still sitting on the subway alone. There's actually no one oh. here going. We're not going anywhere. And then she flashes back to this memory she has where she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Or she was younger and she had a big brother who was in a crib. She was. She describes being really hungry. Her, her grandmother was like, mm. making food, but the food hadn't been finished yet. And so she goes into her like little brother's room, and then she reaches her hand in the crib, and then like she doesn't remember anymore. But she doesn't like to go home because her her yeah. mother like has a funeral for the child every year, and then looks at her like mm-hmm. stone cold. But also with a little love, and you're like, oh no, yeah. this is complicated, huh? Um, so it's insinuated, I suppose, that she, uh, I mean, child ate her, oh, but I, I don't, yeah, like, that's kind of what it's, but I, it could also, given you. right, but it could also be a, a metaphor again, uh, for like, maybe something happened and she accidentally like killed her little brother and then like is living with the guilt of it her whole life, mm. which is very possible because it's not like she was very old and this is just a metaphorical way of explaining that. Um, but I don't mm. know. Well, well, the only problem is then at the end of the story, she's sitting on a train and she sees a baby and she's like, feels the similar familiar insatiable hunger. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sis, let's take a, let's take a beat. Let's not, we don't need to eat people. We we could relax. We could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, so um, let's discuss. Let's um, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't even know where to start. I guess since you just talked about giving me your Black Wings old sister, let's just we can just jump with that and then go back to Harvest. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that shit was wild. I was like, yeah, that is. It was unexpected. Oh yeah, definitely. And it it kind of just made me think, like, what, like, what do you do if you possess that kind of hunger? Like, mm. and it can be hunger for, like, in a literal sense, like you feel the desire to consume recklessly. Um, you know children or it's like there's a hunger or a desire to do something else that don't you say know, a hunger you to cons- know you're not supposed to do i'm sorry you said a hunger to consume children like that's just a thing that that's not the thing oh yeah like i, like, I, I should sorry i should have said that with a bit more sensitivity but um yeah it's like not a thing that we encourage obviously but um it's just like i, I guess it just made me think like what do you like what do you do with that like that right. kind of hunger or like energy for something that you know it is bad or reckless kind of like the same yeah way. That's a good question. I I feel like you don't think about the privileges that you have and like not not I like I don't have particularly like deep desires to do anything mm-hmm. violent like that, but so I I don't really need to like control it, but I'd mm-hmm. if I did, that would be quite the struggle I imagine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like Dexter, you know. Yeah, I, I guess it kind of made me think too. Like, it's just like it's interesting having a protagonist who, like, rather than seeing it from the outside, like, just like from her perspective, is like she's just trying to be swept away and anonymous as fuck, and just like, yeah, not stand out. And it's like, mm-hmm. but still, it's there. And it, it, it's fascinating too because I mean that that question doesn't necessarily have a clear answer. Like, I don't know what the fuck you would right. do with that, um, like therapy. But even then, I'm like, does therapy is, is therapy right. a qu- whatever? But um, <laughs> and is there not something heroic about someone fighting this base urge? Like she's she's really just like every day not being awful and you're like okay well you know right mm, yeah you shouldn't be but like also there's nothing heroic about that i would say is she a villain i think so too man and probably not yeah that idea oh that's so interesting it's like you're it's like your hero by like holding back and not letting everything come out but the desire is still there like the Mm. hunger is still there 
but you're just not acting on it mm. hmm. interesting but um I also thought it was interesting that she kind of referenced the, like, her ancestors when she was mm. talking about this hunger. Like, she was like, yeah, like, you know, I come from this line of, like, witches and warlocks and all this other shit. And it's fascinating when you think of, like, because I feel like it, typically ancestors are kind of, and I feel like we kind of talked about this a little bit in, um, in Unkindness of Ghosts, but, like, the idea of, like, ancestors always kind of being portrayed with this sort of, like, regality and, like, there's this, like, just reverence for them in a way that, like, is often, you know, obviously justified. But it's it's, it's interesting when you kind of, look back at your ancestors with a sense of sort of like almost like chaos yeah, or, or like, dread yeah and you, you, it's like you see that side of them and it's just kind of like that's so interesting mm. so you know and also a lot of ancestors have done a lot of bad things if we really, hello. really think about it right i mean we mm-hmm. I, yeah and so it is it is in the same way we're like, oh, and then I went there and then like my ancestors were like, you really should not be here. They're almost protective. But like, what if you have even processing this idea of like, oh, I come from people who were bad, who did bad things. That's a mm. hard thing to have to deal with. And you wonder sometimes in yourself, like, is that in me? Am I capable Ooh. of that of that evil? That, that's something to struggle with, right? Like, and I think a lot of people actually mm. just run from that feeling, right? I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if you were, say your your parent was a serial killer or or something or a dictator, you know, and then mm. somewhere in your past, it, it would be, it would make you wonder like who you were and it would make you maybe consistently, every bad thought suddenly have this extra weight to it. Um, right. So that's, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. Also beautifully written. This whole oh yes yeah down all the all the the ones you read I thought were quite gorgeously written. Um, mm-hmm. Harvest this one, the ones I read singularly, singularly. Oh yeah, indeed. absolutely. So definitely, definitely. But um, yeah. So definitely some weird thoughts there. And I guess For as harvest. we think of harvest, mm. that shit is. I mean let's talk about the ending because it sounds like we had different interpretations um yeah curious to hear what your thoughts were so i thought i thought a couple of things one i thought that dear woman chose tansi one because she was alone and two because Mm -hmm. i think she wanted someone native to it feels not like a possession but like a little bit like like wanting someone to enact her revenge because it seems to me the other one was just a spirit or like a thought or metaphor. You know what I mean? I, I don't even know if she oh. was a person. And it's almost like mm. a culmination of all the revenge feelings of anger in the in the soil or something. You know what I mean? Like mm. a, a, a physical manifestation of the loss and, and sorrow and anger mm-hmm. come to life almost. So it's almost like a, not a, it's like a take on the, the original narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seduces this person for her own purpose, which is enacting this revenge. And I think when she disappears, I don't know. She says, like, my family can never come back, but their children are here. So I don't yeah. know if she was satisfied in the end. I think she just disappeared somewhere. And then I also wonder if she was ever there at all. And Tansi just mm. is a serial killer. Yo! You know, I got questions. We don't know. It's unclear. Um, Yo! Damn! Mm-hmm. I, wow. So it's two I, see, that's so interesting because I thought she was literally there. Because uh-huh. I, I guess that scene at the bar when they were like, "Oh yeah, like everyone was so into her," but then you could easily kind of work, and that could have mm. just been Tansi. Ooh! Oh my god! Mm-hmm. 
And it was, ooh, oh my God. Kind of like Fight Club. When she was in New York City, she was talking about how like, you know, it's a, being in that place can kind of change you, but she mm. doesn't run from it. I was like, oh, oh my God. Ooh, holy God. Well, that's a, that is a take. Yeah. That is, hmm. Fascinating. So maybe that's, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I feel like there's multiple interpretations here and that's what's fun. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's always so interesting when you see sort of this like connection between like murder and like seduction. Mm. Like that's always a thing that I'm always like, I feel like that's like a trope. Like I feel like that's, that's like true. a thing. Like this kind of like, oh, like, you know, we're romantically involved, but we also like commit like evil acts. Like it's just like, how do you, like, how do you, I don't know where that comes from, but I think it's just something that always calls my attention. And I'm like, why is it that like they fall into each other so easily? Like, what is it about like, people's relationships that can like make them just completely just shift the or passion. move in a direction that I mean, it's a heightened emotion you know like i feel like i think so yeah because the way she described it she was like if you love, fall in love with a dear woman you'll give up everything you've ever owned and i was like every everything but they do say that like love is ignites the same receptors in your brain as like drugs <laughs> so um yeah but you're right. Th- those two are often together or people murdering for love, murdering mm-hmm. because they don't love someone or because someone loves someone else. Right. So. Yeah. This is not a love story, a- though. You know, like it's not. This is a it's 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 not a I mean, taking at face value their relationship like dear woman's like mad abusive, bro. Like, yeah, mad abusive. And it's like. Yeah. But you know, revenge, so, maybe there's something seductive about revenge. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what's here. Ooh. Like, it's something that overtakes you. And, and similar in the way that, like, Give Me Your Black Wings is about a generational urge. It's almost like saying that, like, the bad we do in the past does not die. Um, mm. And it follows us. And, and this is just a, like a metaphorical personification impersonation yeah personification of mm-hmm. uh embodiments maybe that's the word whatever i don't care guys i don't have to take the sats anymore all right <laughs> um, come on but <laughs> <Fuck> of that <laughs> <laughs> truly of of kind of the bad we do and the resentment it it, it, it makes in people and and then you Ooh. think okay she killed 14 people not good don't kill people don't be a serial killer but like also the question is there's an unredressed hurt from the past that was never addressed so who mm who paid the price for those crimes against those battles she's she was referring that dear right. was referring to earlier no one exactly no one um so i think that's why i, I think there's 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 elements of that um in the mm. story what's the author be like that had nothing to do with what i said i said nothing <laughs> trash trash <laughs> it's like fuck but, fucked up. right <laughs> but we can, can you imagine that you're in like english class and you're like i think the story is about this and your teacher's like none of these things are <laughs> but then you tell them look books are a conversation between the reader and the text that's a good one kids remember that mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. exactly how you interpret it is an interpretation and it is valid yes it is um you know definitely don't make things up you know like read the text <laughs> you should but read like, it you know ultimately because you, like, you could just be like oh yeah girl in harvest you know it was these three pigs right boom and there was like a wolf that like 
ate, like blew their houses down. It's like my bitch. That never. That actually Zero wasn't. Times. That's literally. That's literally <laughs> is not in the text. You atomically made that up. But um, oh, you know man. it's a take. So maybe it is it's like a, a three little. Pi- let me let me stop. Can anyway, you imagine? Should- <laughs> could you imagine? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh Jesus. Anywho, yes. Let us take a quick break. And then I'm so used to being like, and we'll get into our thoughts and feelings, but uh, no, we're going to talk about more of these stories. So yes, we will (laughs) talk to y'all in a second. back so boom like i mentioned earlier what we're going to be doing now is we're going to be talking to each other about stories that the other person hasn't read and just kind of telling them about the story just like a cute like okay girl let's tell like let's talk about this shit and just see what happens uh we don't really have a plan we're just gonna do it um so yeah so we'll just kind of see what the fuck happens because we sure don't know um aka would you want to start or do, do you want me to start um you start okay cool so the story that i read that akko has not read is called kelsey and the bird and breath by darcy little badger so akko i'm just gonna explain what happens to the story and if at any point you're like girl huh like just please but please <laughs> please please ask questions because yeah there's definitely some world building that needs to be done so Ooh. okay so essentially the idea is so we're on earth right but like when people or animals die like they leave behind they call it like a breath it's essentially like kind of like a thing of like a ball of light or Mm. like a like a some light thing so people leave behind these breaths and they're usually just kind of like a vestige of like who they once were and essentially what happens is that when breaths are released their natural tendency is to kind of float into the sky and like just go into the great beyond like just go into whatever happens next so that's like what they usually do sometimes the breaths stay behind like sometimes like if there's just a spirit whether that be for an animal or like a person whatever where like they struggle and they want to stay behind a little bit sometimes they do but usually their natural tendency is to escape and go upward so that's that's your normal camp of breaths (laughs) let let me know if you have any questions but so well i just it did the so do you got to do anything to make the breath go in the air it just it just normally just does by itself it just normally goes into the air so like a person say a person dies a breath remains but their body doesn't and then Mm. that breath would just normally go into the air typically Mm. but sometimes they struggle for some reasons or another which i'll 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 get into but there's also a class of breaths called burdened breaths Mm. (laughs) where rather than going up they consume other breaths or they cause some kind of like calamity on what? earth with people still alive you yeah so if you can ca- so if you cause like destruction or eat other breaths what naturally happens because breaths are normally very light and they float if you do all of that as a breath like you typically sink so you'll like oh. sink towards the earth and like be tethered to the earth um which is not typically what's supposed to happen and just one more quick thing so burden breaths usually happen when there's some mass death in an enclosed space so they talk about for example if like you're say like you're working in a mine or something and the mine collapses and a bunch of people die it's like as a breath you can't really escape in that right. kind of setting because you're like trapped underground so usually what happens is that one breath will or like a number of breaths will just consume the other oh, ones around breaths. them mm. and then they become kind of sunken in so you usually see it when there's like some kind of tragedy there's burden breaths but otherwise it's not really a thing i see does so that if I, yeah, make sense? but okay. So no, it actually makes a lot of sense. And now I'm just thinking. Okay. When you said tethered to the ground, I'm just seeing like a forest of like 
breaths that are just like sitting close to the ground or like you like kick the ground open and there's like a burden breath. <laughs> and all of a sudden and you're my, like fuck yeah and for some reason my mind's like a glowy blue but i mean that's i see it my own interpretation i definitely see of the story. it um continue. No. <laughs> and when i say tethered to the ground they're not literally tethered to the earth but yeah. it's just like they're just like more drawn to earth than they are the sky right which is yeah kind of like in the way like a, a, a fog like a cloud that's not in the air exactly exactly and also just one more quick thing uh yeah so breaths are visible by anyone so whether you're alive i mean yeah so if you're alive you can you can see them Mm. anyone can see them so now let's talk about kelsey so kelsey is a woman and her job typically she's like a woman in her like i I want to say her like her late i have a quick interjection here i've never met a kelsey i did not like me and my sister were talking about this the other day. Me too. Yeah. Zero times. Zero times have I met a Kelsey who was problematic too. Yo, that's mm-hmm. real. Yep. Oh my God. You're actually so right. All the Kelseys I know are super lit. Yep. Every single one. Damn. So. And this Kelsey is no different. Really? Uh, truly? Okay. So, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we stay in Kelsey. We like Kelsey. So Kelsey is a woman in about, I would say like her well, maybe late 40s. And her job is that she essentially, she's like a breath, not hunter, but she kind of mm. gathers them. So like I mentioned earlier, breath sometimes will struggle to fly into the sky. Usually that happens when like people die under really fucked up circumstances and they're like, they're not at peace. Like they're like, wait, what? Like, th- it, like that's usually what kind of makes them struggle. But eventually like, what Kelsey does is she'll like rally breaths that struggle to like escape and like kind of get them to do so by like kind of talking to them she also oh, her fine. dog so kelsey is from i forgot where she's from specifically i'm not sure if it ever specified in the story but basically she grew up on a farm both of her parents are no longer alive and also her dog is also not alive oh but uh-huh. when her parents died kelsey wasn't there they don't talk about how they died but when they died kelsey wasn't there but her parents basically floated away immediately as breaths but when her dog died her dog kind of stayed behind and so what kelsey does is that she takes her dog's breath and she'll kind of go around and like use the dog's breath to like seek out other breaths or like kind of help in that process of getting them to to move on essentially oh okay so that's the work that kelsey does and she usually does it at like hospitals and stuff because you know obviously a lot of people die at hospitals but also to the hospital has like their architecture is just good for releasing breaths like their ceiling is like mad lit i don't know something like that so basically so the story starts with kelsey pretty much like gathering some breaths she goes to the hospital to release them there was one breath that was like kind of left behind but then she was able to kind of like get it to move on peacefully and while she's there she gets a call from someone named clint who's from a place called sunny maine so like sunny comma maine so like in maine um and basically he kind of describes to her he like leaves a voice note he's like hey kelsey heard you were lit real quick so in maine it's really going down sis like there's a burden breath that's like fucking everybody up. Like it's like it's like people are dying because of this breath. Like Yikes. the breath is eating other breaths and also killing people. Ice. So you're doing too much. Can you breath. help? You're and Kelsey was much. like, "Can I help, old girl? If my name ain't Kelsey, what's your? <laughs> I mean, yes, girl." So Kelsey's like, "Fuck." So she meets up with Clint, and basically Clint's kind of talking about how. Yeah, like, sort of what's going on. He essentially describes that, like, in this town, like, there's been a bunch of weird shit where, like, there was, like, this one girl that was, like, swimming in, the, like, a like a, like a, like a like a lake or something, and she just got, like, dragged to the bottom of the ocean and, like, put in this cage thing that was, like, under the water. Um, and then there was someone else who, like, like, she was sleeping in her bed, and then, like, she got crushed by the weight of another bed, and mm. she was like, but how did that even happen? It's, like, weird fucking shit is happening. And they're like, okay, we gotta figure this shit out, because this bird and breath is really fucking our shit up. And Clint's like, hey, so, have you ever dealt with a bird and breath? And Kelsey was like, 
I mean, once, like 10 years ago, like she had a case where she was in a high school and there, there were these two teachers who had died. And, and I, I gathered that it was kind of like a murder-suicide situation. Like someone had like killed a bunch of people and then killed themselves kind of thing. Mm. And so there was like a bird and breast. So the police came by and they're like, okay, girl, we got to find bird and breast because this is like a literal breeding ground for them. So they came, they're like, oh, we're good. And then, but weird shit was happening. And Kelsey was like, I feel like the police didn't do their job, which... LOL, what else is new? Um, so she's like, okay, let's go to the high school. Let's figure this out. So she's able to find the bird and breaths. And so she sees two of them chasing each other. And then one of them eventually consumes the other. Yikes. It sinks to the ground. Kelsey like breaks open a window and it flies out and it's able to move on. But she was like kind of terrified because her dog, again, is, is usually there for these missions. And the dog is like a very innocent breath. And she was like, oh my God, like I don't want my dog to get fucked up. Mm. So it was like this whole thing. And so she's like, okay, let's investigate the situation. So she goes to Maine. And while she's there, like, weird shit happens. Like, she goes to, like, the water. And, like, at one point, like, her foot, is like, it steps on this piece of mud. But it, like, sinks in a way that's, like, doesn't feel natural. She's like, girl, let me get rid of this boot and just run. Like, she was clearly, that's smart, like, the... Kelsey. Just run. Leave the boot. Yeah, the burden breath was try- was coming for her. And she was like, you- <laughs> she, you ain't got to tell me twice. So she runs to her car. And she's, like, with her dog. Her dog's name is Pal, by the way. I, I don't know why I never said that. Anyway, so her and Pal are like, fuck. This is, like, wild, bro. So... That's kind of that. So they're like, you know what? Let's just go around town, see what happened. Maybe see if there's some kind of incident that might explain what's going on. So she's exploring town. It's kind of going on without incident. Mind you, when she was talking to Clint earlier and like learning the situation, she was like, did any major, because like I said earlier, like bird and breaths usually happen when there's some, some kind of like mass death. She was like, did any sort of catastrophe happen in recent history? And the guy was like, no, like just <laughs> totally fine. Run of the mill. Nothing happened. Like we're Gucci. And so like Kelsey's like eating a corn dog or some shit. She's like walking around and there's like a museum that talks about a shipwreck that happened like a hundred years ago or like, okay recently wow. and she was like clint didn't i didn't i mm-hmm. ask you if something happened and you just you just so you just lied to me. So you just, clint. so she's like okay let's go inside this museum see what's up so she goes inside the museum and this guy named billy was like um did you pay and she was like i'm kelsey like i'm exempt and he was like that <laughs> is weirdly a good enough reason for you to just walk inside so she walks inside and basically she's able to detect because pal is there pal is like you know that bitch She's like, okay, pal, like, I need you to see what's up, blah, blah, blah. And pal's like, boom, I got you. So there's this urn that's, like, in the corner of the museum. So in the museum, it has all these, like, relics from this, like, shipwrecked ship. And one of them is an urn. And the thing is that back in the day, what used to happen was that when people would die, rather than letting their breaths go into the sky, they would put them in, like, cases. Like, it was almost like a like a firefly kind of situation, almost. Like, they would just put them in these, like, jars, and they would just, like, look at them. So it was kind of, like, kind of in the way that people keep ashes, that's, but it was, like, their breaths. Yeah, okay. That's a plan. And, which was, I guess at the time, people didn't understand that when you do that, you're, like, trapping them. Like, it's like yeah. they can't escape. Kind of brought an interesting question about, like, coffins and things like that. But anyway, basically, so it was kind of like, yeah, so people would do that. And so she saw the urn and she was like, ooh, given when the ship... So the ship has sunk actually a while ago. I, I misspoke. It's, it sunk a while ago. And so she was like, I feel like there might be a spirit in that urn. And then she's like, Billy, is there a spirit in that urn? He's like, girl, like, oh, like, yes, there is. And I she's like, like, every I knew time it. something's so basically, wrong, everyone's like, so nothing's wrong. And you're like, it sounds like just, something, it's, it feels like every time something's wrong, the person she's talking to is like, no, everything's fine. And I feel like every time it's not it's fine. Like, <laughs> it's like atomically not fine. And you're like, what the fuck? So basically, so yeah, so things happen. And basically she's able to release the 
spirit from the urn. And like basically what we find out is that essentially there was a man we never know we never learned his name but when he he was on the ship when it sank um all oh, those yeah. years ago and when he got on the ship he came on it with the same urn because his wife had died uh-huh. and he had put her spirit in the urn because he was like i don't want to ever be parted from you because uh-huh. you're in this vase so he was on the urn whatever and so the ship sinks everyone obviously most everyone dies and basically while he was on the ocean floor with her he was like okay we're both breaths you're in this urn so you're not going to escape however i need to make sure I stay on earth because I don't want to leave you. So he like consumes the other breasts around him. He consumes animal life around him. He like does whatever he needs to do to stay behind. Uh. And essentially when they make this museum and they moved all those artifacts to Maine, that's when all this calamity started to happen again. At first it was on the ocean floor, but now it moved to like the surface. And so essentially we learned that he essentially did all of that because he wanted to stay behind With for his late wife. He loved. Okay. Yeah. Uh. And it was kind of like, fuck. And so yeah. I guess... Kelsey was able to release the the wife spirit from the urn, and then the boat they were both able to just kind of move on. And it was interesting because Kelsey was actually she went she was thinking about it, and she was like, "Well, damn, like breaths, yeah. While they usually their natural tendency is to float, they they can stay behind a little bit. They don't have to immediately leave. My dog didn't immediately leave when when he died, and my oh. when my parents died, and I wasn't there." And I came back to the farm. They had already left. Like they left immediately. Like they left. They died and instantly just left. Mm. And she was kind of like, "Damn! Like I don't. Like why did they never? They never stay behind. Like they. Like was there nothing worth staying behind for? Like oh, why I not think worth that, waiting Kelsey. for? And it was just, like this whole thing where she was like, "Damn, this man literally. Well, he's not a man. He's a, a breath. <laughs> he's like <laughs> this spirit literally did whatever. I mean, did horrible shit. Not not moving away from that. Terrible shit. But." The idea was that there was something on this pre- on this earth that's so precious, or there's a spirit here that is so precious, I cannot leave it. So I'm going to do literally whatever I need to do Maybe. so that we can stay together. Because you're trapped in this urn, but, and that's not fair. Okay, but also, though, Marcy, he could have opened up that urn and let this person float. Into also it. true. I'm just saying. That is the plot hole that I didn't think about. Because <laughs> it. some of it's a little possessive. I mean, I... Don't get me wrong. I I was eyeing the. I was like, oh, he did all that just so he could stay with her. And I was like, wait a second, wait. A, how do we know she didn't want to flow into into the? Come on. And then also you we now don't. you're dead too. So you so you 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 could both just leave, but you were like, no, we gotta both stay. It's almost like you're holding on to something that's over, that's past, and it's mm. it's it perhaps and this is the it perhaps starts with a positive emotion that slowly becomes you know less positive. It's it's. Yeah, it's a little. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a hundred on his, hundred percent on his side. I'm definitely not because it's like, like you said, it's like. I mean, if you were like crushing motherfuckers with beds and shit, like you can open a goddamn, like you can open an urn. Like that's not gonna be that's, that's not beyond your realm of control. But I think it's just one of those things where knowing that she was gonna be inside if you don't. Like it, like if you never break it, like she's gonna just be inside there. Oh, like, that's true. Something about that was maybe more attractive. It's like okay, if if I break this urn, she might leave, and I don't want to leave, or I don't want her to leave, or I don't know. It's like yeah, because also too, I mean, the idea of breaths being afraid to move on is also a thing. Like that's they, true. Some a lot of them do stay behind. That's true. They're like fuck. I don't know what's next, girl. Like what? Like I don't want to like move on to something else. No, I have you're no right. idea What's happening? And so, also, he's still mourning too. You like if someone dies, it's yeah. kind of hard to let. So maybe he was gonna let her go eventually, you know. But he was still mourning, or maybe mm-hmm. maybe they made a pact beforehand, and they were like, "Okay, well, I'll just mm-hmm. stay for." We don't. You're right. We don't. You're right. I came at him too harshly. 
I'll chill. No, you're fine. No, it's just it's it's it, it's one of those things where it's like the what he did was fucked up, but like why he did it yeah. was kind of a it's a it's a reason that you can understand. understand. There's a lot of mourning and fear and what the fuck. It's mm-hmm. like I, it's it's hard to kind of move on like that, especially if he were to try to move on by himself. Like yeah. you think about Kelsey's parents, they left together, but if he had died yeah. and just went up to the sky and she was still trapped on Earth in this urn, like would she ever have been released? You know, ah. like it's just like. It makes me think of that like Black Mirror episode where that lady got like trapped in that teddy bear and it was just like, oh my, oh god. my god, yeah. Um, so, so that was essentially the ending. Um, the way it actually ends is basically Kelsey decides, you know, she's gonna like move out west. She's gonna sell the farm. She's gonna like just kind of start over because she was just kind of like, damn, that really kind of put me in my feelings in a way that I didn't expect. And so she was always traveling with Pal, you know, her late dog as a breath. And in the hotel room, she, like, opens the window and, like, takes off the protective screen and, like, basically falls asleep. And she's like, I'm going to let it be Pal's decision now. Like, I want Pal to decide what Pal wants to do. Mm. And so if Pal wants to leave me, I can wake up in the morning, do what I was going to do, and just move on with my life. Or if Pal wants to stay with me, we can go along and do this together. But I don't need to force him to stay here anymore. And I think that was just kind of, like, a parallel to, like, seeing what... That's essentially what was happening with the... Right. With the breath earlier with the urn and everything it's kind of like yeah i don't want to i don't want to do that mm. so yeah because she was like yeah i guess like that kind of the chaos that can come from like forcing folks to stay in in a position for your own comfort is like that can cause a lot more destruction than, yeah than, than peace so yeah oh, that's so that a good story, story. Oh, I'm yeah so i really liked it i really liked it yeah. it was so the breath concept was definitely, it was interesting, but once I got it, I was kind of like, okay, this is actually really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I wrote. Oh, okay. I might have to read that one next, actually, after, I, after this podcast episode. Oh, yes, of course, of course. But yes, what did you read? I read The Shadow We Cast Through Time by Entrapramite Das, but mm-hmm. I wanted to do, a, to do a quick shout out to Three Variations on a Theme of Imperial Attire by E. Lily Yu. And the reason is because, mm-hmm. remember last summer when we read that book about the bees? <laughs> oh, yes, the anarchist bees. Yes, the anarchist <laughs> bees and their like, need for revolution. That is also and like... fucking wasps. Oh, right, and, and the boats and that are maps. And I was like, yo, wild. Right. Um, and I remember this that boy who came and destroyed everything, he just came and hit the thing. Everything. With everything. Just- everything and it's like little girl who asked who asked? why are you here but also oh it's God. good because then you know the oppression ended but anyway that was written by e <laughs> that's, that's true actually you're right <laughs> you can also go listen to the episode if you're like what on god's green earth are these two talking about but that was also written by e lily you so i was like hey we see you again so what i liked about this short story that i just wanted to talk about real quick is do you know the story of like the emperor has no clothes i don't well, so basically, it's the story where the idea is there's an emperor and he's super rich. And in and, and most tellings, he's kind of a buffoon who's like very interested in the pomp and the circumstance and the glamour. And so he he, he only mm. wears an, an outfit once. He never wears it twice. So he has all these tailors oh, who are spending every day making a brand new outfit. And people are like, well, maybe you should spend money on, you know, feeding the poor or like making a better infrastructure. And he's like, I need a new robe. And everyone's like, okay. I mean, I guess you could kill mm. us. So I guess we'll just do it. <laughs> um, and, so, <laughs> and so one day these tailors come and they are like, we have something, a fabric that no one has ever worn before. It's amazing fabric. Mm-hmm. And what's great about it is it will tell you who's loyal to you. And for like, well, I do like power Ooh. and loyalty. So like, give me these clothes. 
So they they sew the clothes, they spin, they sew, they make the clothes, and they uh-huh. they they give it to the emperor, and they tell him, anyone who who can't see it is just not a genius. <laughs> they're just not amazing. They're low class. They're they're not smart. Mm. So if you can't see this, this just means you're unworthy. And everyone's like, can't oh, see the cloak or sorry, the, the cloth. Or yeah, if you can't see the okay. clothes, you're you're like just not worthy. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. yeah, no. But the emperor's like, well, obviously I see it because I'm the emperor. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, no, we right. see it too. We all see it. it's gorgeous. See those those little details at the bottom? Great. It's it's beautiful. He's like, great, awesome. All right, so I'm gonna put on this cloak. Um, where are the holes to it? Which I can see, of course. I just you know just to make sure where are the holes. Oh, there we go. So he puts it on, mm-hmm. and he like goes out in the procession amongst his people. And mm-hmm. the classic story is that this little child. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, yes, beautiful robe. It's a beautiful robe. We love the robe. And this child is like, mm-hmm. the emperor is not wearing any clothes. <laughs> the, the emperor's oh. naked. And everyone's like, <gasps> And then the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> Yo! And then the emperor, like, <gasps> sees the errors of his ways. He's like, oh, my God. I All you all of you were lying to me. And that, that's how I, what they said. It was like, you'll know who you can trust because you, you all let me believe I was wearing clothes. Uh, Yo. He changes the errors of his ways, becomes a better ruler or something, and I don't know his kingdom. Like I don't know, flies into the sky or something. Anyway, so that's one <laughs> telling of it. But what I really interesting, right? And it's supposed to be this metaphor when you say, "Oh, the emperor is not wearing any clothes." It's the idea of like a lot of pomp and circumstance, but actually, like no substance. And, like everyone's kind of just lying. Um, mm. So what I liked about this retelling that was interesting was so the kid does the same thing. They're like, the emperor has no clothes. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, the next day, the kid and their mother were gone. And actually, oh. <laughs> the emperor continued to wear this, like, not outfit and would go around, <laughs> like, seeing who would say they're not wearing any clothes and then would kill them. And then honestly, <gasps> would have people like citizens would like rat out other people who said that the emperor wasn't wearing any clothes oh my god wait, what? and wait, i was wait, like what? oh my god <laughs> and then it's really funny it's not funny it's really interesting because i'm like this is actually a very realistic take on power right it's not whether mm. the emperor has or does not have clothes it doesn't matter because that's where the power lies and how truth becomes subjective almost like the sun pulling the moon like it's a gravitational force around the person with all the Ooh. power and so I was like, oh, this is scary. But then also, Lily Yu is so interesting because they're always so um, self-aware. So then right in the middle, they're like, mm. is that too obvious? Well, let's get an- another metaphor. <laughs> and so then they like do another metaphor. Wait, they said that? <laughs> yeah. Like, and they're like, what if I told it like this? And it's one that's a little bit on the nose. And at the end, they're like, that's a little on the nose. And they're like, okay, let's do another wow. one. And so then they have a third one that like focuses on the tailor, the tailors and how they go around sort of spreading this kind of idea of this clothing and you're like ooh, that could be a metaphor for mm-hmm. so many things like you know arms dealers or people with political ideas you know what i mean it could be so many uh, the ideas of the sort of destructive force of people coming in and mm. sort of whispering things in the ears of others so i really thought that was interesting so if you guys want to read that you should it's good yeah yeah but <laughs> that's not my story so <laughs> the story i <laughs> <laughs> The story I did read. <laughs> I feel like I'm that person who like always tries to sneak in a third thing. They're like, I'm just going to add this little piece here. And everyone's like, Akko, what are you doing? <laughs> so for the shadow we cast through time, this one's really interesting because basically it's a two-parter. So the first part is sort of this like folklore. And they talk about, okay, mm-hmm. when we first arrived at this planet, 
Because at first you think, oh, this is just the Earth. And it's like, no, this is like a second Earth, an Earth after. Oh, it's like not Earth? Yeah. Oh, fuck. And they're like, okay. They're like on this new planet. No one had died yet. There was no war. Everyone was happy. And this child goes off mm-hmm. into the forest. And they're like, but it's actually not a forest. We just called it a forest because we're people from Earth. And we mm-hmm. called it that. But actually, it was like this city with these spirally towers and like hair. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting description. They're like hair that's not attached to a head that's just like floating around and it's very ominous and dark. And there's like this evil spirit. Mm. Or I don't know if it's evil, but it's a spirit. And then the, the, the child is there and they're like asking the spirit. They're like, who are you? And they're like, oh... I'm the shadow that we cast through time. And they're like, you can't just leave your planet and think that like you can outrun all the bad things that have ever happened on your planet. Oh shit. And the, the oh, kid's like, no. but no one's died here. Like we're all good. And they're like, yeah, but again, you just can't run from what's happened before. And so they're like, I will be that reminder. And so then it's almost like this darkness over like consumes the child. And then the child becomes like, different <laughs> and they come back and everyone's like <gasps> yeah they're like they, i don't know how they describe it's almost like they're like everything their skin becomes like black or something and their bones are brittle i don't know but then they walk back i'm thinking they're like on okay. mars or something so they like come back and everyone's like <gasps> don't go into the darkness so that's that's like the metaphor at the beginning and then it flashes forward and it kind of explains like what's going on so mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently People, so people took went to spaceships and came over. And there's like a lot of going back and forth at the beginning where people are like flying in the spaceships and coming back and bringing food. And everyone's like, okay, this is fun. This is fun. But at some point, mm-hmm. kind of as time goes on, and then the, the, the new planet that they're on is kind of like, well, we want our freedoms and we want to be our own planet. We don't want to be, uh, you know, part of the, the old planet. And then something mm-hmm. happens that causes spaceships to no longer be able to come to the planet anymore mm-hmm. and then the way to describe it is really interesting because it's described almost like like the way we would describe something in the past like it's not very scientific it's more like mythological and like magical mm-hmm. so it's interesting because it's almost like a restart but in the future <laughs> so it's in- interesting yeah it's kind of fun to read and the society is completely structured differently so like the family structures are different there's like people who like guard and protect the area that they live and people like have kids but it has nothing to do with like family structure so the main character is like oh yeah mm-hmm. this is my first of 20 kids and then when you have a kid you go and have them in like the inter realms of the spaceship and they, it makes it sound like it's like a this ethereal magical place but you're like oh mm-hmm. and, and then they're like because it has like it's the safest place to have a child and i'm like it's probably because it has the best technology because this right. is the, so it's like but they describe it very mythically and i'm like oh okay this is kind of dope and so then there's like a subplot where the main character is in love with Suya, who's like her friend from when they're young. Suya is like this. I don't know. It's it's not that relevant. But Suya is like, OK, we're we like each other. And <laughs> I don't know. It's not that relevant. What's really relevant is that um, I watch someone's going to read it and be like, that was like pretty relevant to the plot. And I'll be like, OK, well, you know, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> but anyway, so there's the question is. <laughs> Every time when someone's about to die, a lot of the times they go to like the forest, quote unquote, and almost get transformed into the, whatever this other entity is. Although no one like knows what that entity is. So the protagonist mm-hmm. of the second half of the story eventually goes over to this forest area 
and then realizes what they describe as sort of these like evil villains are actually just the people being entities that first inhabited this planet and they're like yeah <gasps> so oh thanks. and you're like huh fair yikes fair, yeah. so you describe them with such like visceral language but like you came here <laughs> they're just living their weird spiral hair lives you know um, oh wow but yeah it's so, a good story real quick mm-hmm. so the the child that saw the spirit and like became of the spirits like whatever mm-hmm. happened to them is that is that the same person that like came back and was like oh wait they're actually just the people who lived or not the people but the beings that lived here yeah the child comes back and everyone's like <gasps> and I, I think it's supposed to be devastating but they don't explain why it's devastating or anything there's like it's devastating and then it, they're, they're like transformed but yeah what's wrong with them being transformed is unclear but but then after that, the child just is transformed and they just move on to a completely different person. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like that's a folklore and then they like start the main story. Yeah. Huh. But I, then I think about it. And I'm like, okay, was, was the child like really screwed up or was it just like a form that humans wouldn't be used to because we're on an alien planet? You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Interesting. That's a fun read. I huh. like it damn was it was anyone like yeah girl they were here first and we did just kind of fuck this shit up or were they just like we you know we are just we are just superior like it was what was the right lens well (laughs) (laughs) what was the lens there i mean the main character is like oh but i think society is is more quick to just be like well the society is they're worried about their other things because now the what they call the gate has closed or like the spaceships aren't coming in anymore so there's this mm-hmm. civilization that's kind of like not been destroyed but right it's like in a dark age so they're mm-hmm. worried so they're worried about that i i think it's more like looking at the patterns of the human race but on a different planet but kind of the same thing you know what i mean like Mm. oh you guys came here and you just assumed <laughs> that the right. entities that were here were bad and then the cycle of empire you think you're you know so advanced but it's actually cyclical mm. so no i don't they don't have like a oh yeah no we recognize that these were the first entities of mars or wherever they are and that we actually were the invaders you know they don't think of it that way at all but interesting it, yeah so oh huh. fascinating fascinating yeah, yeah i definitely good. think i should Sounds interesting. I kind of want to go back and read it. I want to read like honestly the rest of this. Like there, like even in picking stories to talk about, it was just like, like we just picked a couple. And we were just like, okay, let's focus on these. But mm-hmm. yeah, there were definitely a bunch that I was like, yeah, I definitely need to read this and this and this. So yeah, so I agree. Interesting. They're good. The book. It's all and it's all. This one is beautifully written. As we said, all the other ones were beautiful. I mean, it's like, I feel like it's like chocolate in your mouth. It's like melty and poetic. Mm. And I personally love weird stuff. So I was like, these stories are weird and I'm so excited about it. And I'm so about it. It's just so, because it's like, once you're like, once you're, I feel like that's always my thing. I'm always like, okay, like this concept seems, okay, it's kind of, it's, I got to get used to it, but like, you know, whatever. But once you like, once you know how it works, it's kind of like, this is actually really fascinating. I think the hardest thing is when sometimes like, when you're in a world that's both so different from the one that we live in, but also like, it's not the most consistent. Like sometimes mm. it's like things just happen all over the place and you're like, what the fuck is happening? But if there's like a, okay, this world is different, but this is how it works. And it's like kind of clearly explained. It's like actually really interesting. Kind yeah. Of and through the, it. I agree with you. I agree. There's definitely has to, you cannot play around with the consistency when you're trying to do speculative fiction. Cause then you just, people oh, get lost. Not. People get lost. But I also think while we're describing it, I think there's like 
and I think you'd probably agree, right? Like the meat of the stories is in the way they're told, in the way exactly, exactly. Oh, I quite like it. I hope they make another anthology. I'll read it. Me too. Yeah, I don't know if there's. Yeah, I haven't heard of another one existing, but mm-hmm. hopefully that's in the works. Because yeah, this was lit. It was. But lit. um, I guess now we should go into our outro. It's so weird having the discussion this way. It just felt very like way more just like oh yeah, we're just like we're just like kicking and just, like, <laughs> talking true. about stories. Like kind of into it. I don't know. Maybe if we do another anthology, we can like kind of have this approach. Oh, I kind of agree for that. Because yeah. This is interesting. It was fun like explaining the story to someone who like hadn't read it. So yeah. Anywho, we hope that you all enjoyed this other installment of our summer short series. And you know, if you have any thoughts, you want to like send us some emails or like tweet at us or like, you know, like talk to us, um, you could you could do that because there, there are many avenues. There's so many. We have tw- a Twitter at the Colored Pages. Um, we also have an Instagram, Wild. you know, new Instagram. You know, we get no social at these Colored Pages. You can also find our email at these Colored Pages at gmail.com, as well as our website at these Colored Pages.com. Funny enough, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, should we just rebrand our Twitter? Just make it the at these Colored Pages because I feel like like everything else is that would that would that would save us a lot of um, trouble. So that's Hmm. a good idea. We should also leave a comment and rate and review anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Yes. But also, especially for our Apple Podcast listeners, we are also doing a thing still where oh, yeah. if you get to 25 ratings and reviews, we will release episode zero, Book of Martha by Octavia Butler, where <gasps> Akko and I talk about a short story. Very similar, very much giving you some summer short series before you even knew what that was. It's true. Um, it's kind of a, like a test episode we did when we were first figuring out if we wanted to do a podcast or not. So it's literally the first thing we ever recorded. We currently have 20 reviews, so we only need five more, Woo-hoo. just five, and we will be releasing that. So so please, if you got some value from this episode or really enjoyed it, please, by all means, go into wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us some commentary. We'd love to get to know you all much more. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything that we should leave our listeners with before we head out, Paco? Yeah, I think until we see you guys next time, you should probably remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.